Welcome to The Late Late Show. I'm your host, Matt, from Lakers UK. I've been looking forward to this recording for quite a while now, as I'm joined by Rob, who's the editor-in-chief for Kicks and the editor-at-large for the basketball magazine, Five Mag. How are you doing, Rob? Thanks for jumping on. Uh, hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm doing fairly well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, you're based in Germany at the moment, aren't you? Is it, is it Munich? How's everything over there with what's been going on? Um, we're doing fine. Um, actually, life in Germany in Munich um, has been has been getting back to normal. Um, last week, I've already been back to the office for the first time in months, and um, now we kind of uh, alternate uh, in shifts in the office so that uh, everybody is there at the same time. Um, so we there's like a smaller group in the office, but yeah, things are getting back to normal. Ah, okay, and. I, I wanted to get into your your role at Kicks and, and Five Magazine. If if you could, are you okay to kind of dig a little bit deeper into that? What what does your role entail at each of them? I assume it's a bit different. It is a really uh, yeah, it is a bit different. Um, I'm the editor in chief of Kicks.com. Um, as I said, we are based in Munich, Germany, and we are the largest, uh, well, the Europe's largest online uh, and offline retailer for basketball gear and basketball-inspired fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do own a basketball magazine, and that is called Five, and I'm the editor-at-large for that magazine, um, which means I don't write for every issue, but I can pick my spots and I can choose my own topics. And um, yeah, and I have interviewed a couple of NBA players on several occasions, both in my capacity um, at Kicks and at Five. So um, yeah, and I've been doing this for quite a long time <laughs> right okay and um obviously we'll get into the interviews a little bit later because i'm quite looking forward to digging into that a little bit deeper as well how how long's a long time is it a couple of decades or it is a couple of decades yeah um when we uh, talk about uh, interviews like um my first interview was a telephone interview i had with uh, rick smith and he was a uh, center uh, who played for the indiana pacers and that interview was in 1997. So yeah, it's a couple. It's been a couple of decades. Okay, and uh, we'll what we'll do is we'll quickly go on to another topic, and then we'll get back onto the interviews. Okay, because a main bulk of the episode will be about the interviews, which I'm quite looking forward to hearing. This, I imagine, there's quite a lot of stories there. So to the listeners, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of Laker talk now, and then you know, stay tuned for the uh, the interview talk. Um, so we, we met at this year's NBA Paris between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Charlotte Hornets and we were sat next to each other uh, for the yes, game. Yes, we did, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we spoke a little bit, we connected and right at the end of the game, I discovered that you were a Laker fan. Well, you are a Laker fan. That's correct, yeah. isn't it? Since, since when? Oh, I've been a Laker fan for really the mid-80s. I mean, I was really... I was really uh, quite young when when I started to be a Laker fan because um, I think I was I was in the States uh, visiting relatives and um, an uncle of mine he lived um, in Los Angeles and one time he he brought me to a Laker game I think I was ten mm-hmm. and um, that was the first 
NBA. That was really the first basketball play uh, game I ever saw. And it was um, uh, the Lakers playing. And I can't remember who the opponent was, but I remember it was uh, the Lakers and it was Magic who I saw. And um, I've been hooked ever since. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And then that, yeah. that kind of like transcended back to, have you ever lived in the States or have you always been doing in terms of your fandom and now your work? Um, has that always been based from Europe or have you spent time over in the States or do you tend to travel over from time to time? Um, well, yeah, well, when I was younger, we, we traveled uh, to the US quite frequently, like on vacations, summer vacations, um, like when, when, when school was off. But um, yeah, um, usually my, my fandom, even my f early fandom was from, from Germany, which was back in the day was quite difficult. Um, because it was the uh, era before internet, so and, and basketball, as I can imagine, uh, like in the UK, was not in the everyday sports sec section, mm -hmm. and uh, you could not like just watch watch it on TV or, or read it in the newspaper. Uh, so it was really difficult to get Laker news and um, uh, learn what's going on in the league back in the day so that was quite a challenge okay and um what do you think about this season for the lakers obviously it's been an exciting one and it's been touted an exciting one before the season even even began do, do you think they can win it all if and when the season returns what what's kind of your viewpoint on on this season yeah well when the lakers started the season like before they had their first game i was really concerned if if LeBron and Anthony Davis could like gel as teammates um, quickly so that they can compete um, in this season. I, it was obvious they, they were going to be good, but I didn't think they would be as good as they were. And um, um, I'm really a little bit surprised how good they were in the end when the season uh, uh, got on the break. And um, they, they really are, in my book, they are the best team in the NBA when, they, when the season stopped. Yeah, because I think when AD signed in the offseason, there was, like you said, there was a bit of doubt whether the team would gel. And obviously there was a lot of new additions, practically a completely, you know, reconstructed roster really with a lot of, um, I think people saw them as being big egos. And obviously with the loss to the Clippers straight away, I was thinking, Oh God, here we go again. It's not easy being a Laker fan. Well, hasn't been in recent years and here we go again. Um, but as the suspension hit, I mean, beating the Clippers and Bucks back to back really did round up the season for me. I mean, obviously they lost to the Nets, but obviously the team was still on a high from that weekend. So to me, that didn't yeah. really mean much. Um, but, you know, especially with LeBron, the way he contained Giannis in that, Bucks game before the suspension was was incredible defensively. It came to a point where Giannis was just avoiding him, and um, yeah. even though AD's been a he has been a little bit streaky offensively, his defense has been absolutely incredible, and that supporting cast as well as a uh, it's been on point. Yeah, I, I think like as long as AD is hitting his mid range shots, um, like the, the the sky is the limit for this team because uh, he doesn't have to be the overall offensive force of, of the Lakers. Um, 
I think LeBron is doing a very uh, good job in distributing and, and also picking his spots. But um, the, the overall strength of Anthony Davis has always been the defensive side. And I, I think that's where the Lakers can profit the most of him. And um, if the Lakers are going to uh, go far this season and um, like compete for a championship, it's going to be through the defensive um, skills of Anthony Davis. Definitely, yes. And one thing which I'd like to mention as well is like the center rotation. It's been quite a while since the Lakers have had a solid center rotation, but McGee, yeah. I, th- I think, has been been really clicking, and he was last season as well, probably playing the best basketball of his career. And as like a two stint player at the start of the first quarter and the start of the third quarter, he's been really yeah. solid. And then Dwight Howard as well. I mean, <laughs> who saw that coming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't um, <laughs> really. When the Lakers when the Lakers signed uh, Dwight Howard in the summer, I was like, oh my god, really? That's like the biggest mistake because. Um, I've been saying for years that uh, Dwight Howard is over the hill and he's really not that Dwight Howard we remembered when he was still in Orlando and um, he has an attitude problem um, and I was wondering why would he like uh, travel from team to team and always get traded and that's like really not a good sign for the chemistry in, in a team that uh, wants to go far so I had, real, I had my doubts but he proved me wrong and um, He's really one of the uh, best defending players on the Lakers team. And um, as I said, the, the Lakers defense is going to be the key this year. Okay. And what we'll do is we'll move on to the interview talk in a quick moment. One thing which I did just remember as well. When we were at NBA Paris, was it you that asked a question to Michael Jordan? Yes, it was me. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I got, I got the, the, the funny thing is I asked the question and I was like, oh damn I asked him the question and nobody saw it nobody of my friends was here and everything and then as soon as I left the arena I got text after text after text from people who were from for some kind of reason I don't know were watching the press conference on uh, on either TV on or or streaming yeah. and they sent me clips <laughs> and they 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 recorded it with their phones Rob, is that you? Rob, is that you? And it was so funny because I never would have expected any of my friends watching a press conference um, of of a basketball game in Europe. That really doesn't make any sense to me. But well, I was really surprised. Yeah, when they sent it to me. Yeah, because that was quite a surreal moment. That was before we actually connected as well. And I was out yeah. on the court uh, pre-game trying to get a little bit of coverage, things like that. Obviously, the day before we had the practice where we managed to get close to like Giannis and, and players like that. But I was just like getting the rotation players for each side, kind of like warming up, getting a little bit of footage. And then I'm, I'm, not, I'm not small, but I'm not like a big build. I'm quite wiry. So when I got into the press conference, obviously absolutely packed. But I was able yes. to kind of weave in and out of people. And if I remember correctly, you were sat down. Uh, yeah. on the on the main seats and I was stood up to the left um right. and managed to weave in like right near the front as well and uh, yeah. it was an absolutely surreal experience just I didn't ask him a question to be honest with you I didn't really have the bottle to because I was just in awe of just watching yeah. him speak um yeah. but he really doesn't do a lot of press conferences as well and when he got asked that LeBron question 
Um, I was yeah. like, wow, as if we're here actually witnessing this. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really quite surreal. I mean, and honestly, honestly, it was not the first uh, time I asked him a question. I, I asked him a question before um, at the NBA Finals in '97. Uh, okay. Um, when they when they beat the uh, Utah Jazz at home for the fifth title, I was there and I was in the locker room and I was <laughs> one of the people uh, who asked him a question while he was sitting down and hold it. Back then, it was not even microphones it was just you had a uh, what do you call it like a dictaphone like okay. a uh, like a little device you press record and i i held it up to him and just asked him a question i was one of i think it was one of 10 people who asked him a question and um yeah but uh, but that was never recorded and we never used the question or, or anything in, <laughs> in production because it was just one question which, which was basically you just won your fifth NBA title how does it feel it's not something sexy and he also gave a standard and uh, standard uh, answer like oh it's, it feels amazing and blah blah but I, I did ask him a question before so I uh, I was maybe that was why I was not that nervous but um, it was still an awesome moment okay and obviously you've just we've just been speaking about Michael Jordan then and uh, you've interviewed quite a few high profile players in, in basketball. And obviously without saying the name of the player that we're going to dig into quite deep, could you give us a little bit of a tease of a few names? Yeah, sure. Um, I interviewed Donovan Mitchell just last year. Um, okay. I interviewed uh, Nick Young when he was still playing with the Lakers a couple of years ago. Swaggy P. That was re- yeah, Swaggy P. That was, <laughs> was maybe one of the best interviews I ever had because he's not the like most prolific player. He's not like an all-star or something, but that was probably the most fun I had um, mm-hmm. conducting an interview because he was such a, such a nice guy and it was so funny. Um, I interviewed Josh Hart also last year, which was also really cool because it was not an NBA setting. Um, I interviewed him at Gamescom in Cologne and he's known as a, a video game uh, fan. Mm-hmm. And he was there on his own time, on his private time, uh, just to learn about new video games and l- learn new uh, uh, streaming equipment and everything. And he was there and I asked him um, if we could have like an interview. And we sat down and talked about video games and the fashion and, and everything. It was qu- quite cool. Um, I, th- I also had Ray Allen when he was quite young. It was just like, I think, in his second year, second or third year, um, wow. um, I had Ray Allen. He was still with the Milwaukee Bucks back then. Um, I had Greg Monroe at the beginning of the year. Yeah, okay. in, in, in February. Um, and Derek Williams also two, two years ago, just when he came off his season with the Lakers, he played um, for Bayern Munich, okay. actually. And, um, well, yeah, um, um, I usually get to speak to all the ex-NBA players who come to Bayern Munich. So that was quite nice to have uh, sit down with him and, and talk about basketball. Okay. And one of those, uh, and we'll, we'll get on to it now, and i am really been looking forward to this. And uh, I didn't actually realize this until I've, I followed you on Instagram after we met at NBA Paris, but one of those people that you interviewed was the late, great Kobe Bryant. 
And yes. from what I understand, you interviewed Kobe on four occasions. Yeah, um, I did. From the information I have, 1997 in Paris, 1999 in Barcelona, 2000 in Berlin, and 2017 in Paris. Is that correct? That's uh, correct. Actually, I don't, I'm not sure if uh, Berlin was in 1999 and Barcelona was in 2000. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's, that's fairly correct, yeah. Okay, and we'll start from the beginning, really, because this, this fascinates me, really, and I'm sure you have loads of stories and... Um, what was yeah. what was that first meeting like when he was either in yes. or coming off his rookie season? Were you aware that you were interviewing a, a future great? How, how did it go? Can you remember? Yeah, I, I remember quite well. Um, yeah, the first interview, 1997 in Paris. Um, it was my first real interview because I just had Rick Smith, the one I talked about, mm -hmm. and that was a phone interview. Kobe Bryant was my first face-to-face -face interview. Wow. So, um, and um, as you said, he just came off his rookie season. Um, I was a big Laker fan and he basically shot my team out of the playoffs by shooting four air balls against the Utah Jazz. So I was not really that happy with him when, when I got the assignment to interview this kid who just uh, shot four air balls. But... Um, it was my chance to go to Paris, and it was um, because of the uh, Streetball World Championship that he's going to be there um, with his sponsor. Back then, it was still uh, Adidas. Mm -hmm. So I took the assignment, and um, yeah, and um, I wanted to talk to that kid who just shot four air balls. And um, it was really quite, quite funny, a funny story how I got to meet him because we actually then met a day before the interview because I was in Paris early and so was he and uh, Adidas asked me if I wanted to go to Disneyland which was quite new back then Disneyland Paris and um, I said yeah sure um, and they asked me to attend the press conference with Kobe Bryant Tracy McGrady was also there but uh, nobody really knew Tracy McGrady I think it was like um, Tracy was McGrady was still not in the league, um, okay. and so all the focus was was on Kobe. And Adidas asked me to um, attend the press conference because they were afraid that only like local newspaper guys would show up who would not ask relevant questions, and they were afraid Kobe would get bored. So they wanted to have a basketball journalist there. <laughs> and as you can imagine back then, it was before Tony Parker, before France had an NBA player in the, in the NBA. Basketball was not really big in, 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 in France sports. Uh, uh, so they, yeah, well, then they asked me. And I attended the, the press conference and Kobe came in. And of course, the French journalists asked him questions like, hey, is it your first time in Paris? How do you like it? What do you think of Disneyland Europe? Is it comparable? <laughs> like all these softball questions. Have you been like, up the Eiffel what? Tower? Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, have, you been, have you been doing any sightseeing? Have you seen the Eiffel Tower? And um, uh, is it your first time in Europe? And uh, like all those BS questions. <laughs> and, and then I asked him a question and I actually asked him, um, 
I asked him about the four eyeballs, and oh, wow. um, and he was he was either not amused or or he faked not being amused, but he looked kind of shocked, and like the whole room was quiet, like and it took some time until he answered. I remember that. <laughs> um, it was not like it was like an eternity of silence before he answered, and then he said, and I'll never forget it. He said it. Um, Wow, what is this, New York? <laughs> now that's a question. Like, because I was like the only one who asked him um, like a basketball related question. It was very specific to uh, the season and very specific to the last game he played. So he remembered that. And um, like I said, when I had the interview with him the next day, um, when he saw me and I was introduced to him by my Adidas contact, mm-hmm. um, he was like, oh, you were the guy who asked the question yesterday. <laughs> and I was really afraid that he would cancel the interview right there because I was really scared that he was mad or anything. But um, I asked him if he minded the question and he said, no, that, that it was cool and that he liked uh, like getting tough questions because uh, that's a challenge for him. He's still... Um, fairly new to the whole interview process and um, he said uh, he, he likes uh, getting ready for tough questions so that was a good exercise if uh, even unexpected so yeah that was my first basketball that was my first interview uh, with Kobe Bryant okay and then and then after that was the 1999-2000 Barcelona Berlin whichever order it was in um, yeah. do you, can you recall them? Have you got yeah. any stories from them as well? Did he, did he recognize you again? Yeah, he did recognize me because um, at the end of the 1997 interview, um, I asked him what his goal was for the, for the next season. And um, as you can imagine, I mean, he just came off his rookie year and he didn't even start. He was not a starter in the NBA yet. He, he came off the bench. And he said um, his goal was uh, to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken aback. I was, I, was, I was thinking, is he serious? He's not even starting, yeah, right? Uh, and and they, the, the team still had Eddie Jones in front of him, he was a, he, who was an all-star. And um, I did not see the, the Lakers getting rid of Eddie Jones anytime soon. So... And, and, and Kobe is too small to play small forward back then. So I, I really thought, okay, um, that's something that's not going to happen. And then it happened, of course, as, as history shows. And um, the interview I had with him in, in Berlin um, was um, right after his first All-Star season. And I asked him about that. And yeah, he did recognize me, even though I was uh, trying to grow a beard. And he asked <laughs> me about that. He asked me about it. Hey, what are you doing with your face? <laughs> um, uh, are you are you growing a beard? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to at least. Like, and and then he said, um, um, yeah, that that w- it would help if you could grow a beard. That I remember that. Mm-hmm. He always had that little 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 streak in him, like uh, half kidding, half half being a little bit mean. But it was always <laughs> funny with him. Okay. And, um, yeah. And and yeah, in in Berlin, we talked also talked about Star Wars. He was a big Star Wars fan, 
And that was the time when uh, The Phantom Menace uh, came out. And I asked him about his thoughts about The Phantom Menace, and he really had some interesting uh, opinions. And we got not in a we, we not we not did not get into a fight, but we but we were. I'm a big Star Wars fan, and so was he. And of course, when two big Star Wars fans exchange opinions who are not <laughs> really uh, the same, it can get a little bit heated. And uh, that, was, that was what happened. Because when it's about Star Wars, I'm not going to let anybody, not even a NBA uh, all-star, tell me anything. So that was also quite funny. Okay. And then with the 2000 interview, what was that? Yeah. What what was that like? Was that off the back of the championship, or was exactly. it like? So it was off exactly. the back of the. What was that kind of like then? That a few years earlier, you you um, interviewed this this kid that um, you know just yeah. airballed um, in yeah. in a really important well airballed multiple times in a really important game, the, the, and then he the goes fu- and wins yeah. the championship. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, um, after the Berlin interview, at the end of the Berlin interview, I asked him the same question. Um, I asked him in Paris, and that was, "What's your goal for next season?" Mm-hmm. And in in, the, in in Paris, he he told me he wanted to be an all star, and um, I asked him again in uh, in Berlin, "So, what's your goal for next season?" And then he said, "I want to win my first NBA championship," uh-huh. and I well, I really thought to myself, "Wow, this kid, this this is he really just his uh, third or fourth season in the NBA, and he really wants to win the NBA championship." Oh well, let's see. I, of course, I did not expect him to see the next to see him the next year. So when I got to see him in Barcelona the very next year, um, and they just won the NBA championship, of course I had to ask him about that if he wanted to go into a uh, a profession where he can foresee the future or something. Because <laughs> always when he when he when he told me that he's going to do something or that's his goal, he always did it. So uh, yeah, I asked him about that. And um, that was also the time when he introduced me to Vanessa, because oh, okay. um, yeah, we he he recognized me, and um, um, it was also organized by his sponsor Adidas, and they told me to to wait in the lobby. He was out um, shopping with Vanessa, and when he go get back, I would have the interview. So I was waiting in the in the hotel lobby for I think it was like about ten or fifteen minutes when he came in and he saw me from the other side of the lobby and he yelled my name. And um, I was really surprised because I could imagine, okay, he, maybe he remembers my face. I mean, I talked to him two times before, but um, he yelled my name um, across the lobby and I stood up and I went to him and he had Vanessa with him and he introduced me as the guy um, who asked the tough question in Paris. <laughs> That's what he what he said to to Vanessa, and I was really quite embarrassed. And I shook Vanessa's hand, and um, he introduced. Uh, yeah, she uh, he he said, um, "That's my fiance Vanessa. I would like to to meet my fiance Vanessa." That's what he said. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah that was crazy. Hey guys, I'm just going to let you know how you can save money with Fnatic UK and the official NBA Star Europe. Lakers UK are proud partners of both sites, where you can access the site through a unique web link and enter the promo code LakersUK10 at checkout for 10% off your order. 
This is not restricted to Lakers merchandise only and is available site-wide for both. On the Fanatics UK site they have a wide range of NBA, NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball as well as soccer slash football merchandise. The NBA Store Europe site hosts all the NBA gear you'll ever need, from new jerseys to classic throwbacks to leisure wear. Remember though, to activate the discount you must enter each site through our unique web link. This can be found over at www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners. That's www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners. Alternatively, reach out to us on social media and we'll sort you out. So, access the unique links for our website, www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners to enable the discount and then enter the promo code LakersUK10 at checkout and watch that price drop. The code can be used more than once and can be applied to already discounted items. Save money with Lakers UK at Fanatics UK and the official NBA Store Europe. And in 2000, did you ask him what his goals were again or not? I, I, I did. And, um, and he said he, he wanted to repeat because uh, that would legitim- le- uh, legitimize uh, the championship he just won. And um, if you win once, you have to do it again. Otherwise, uh, people think it's just a fluke. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's what he did. Wow, and uh, obviously he he three peated, and then yeah. what? And then obviously eighteen years passes, uh, a legendary yeah. career passes, uh, and your paths cross again in in Paris again. Which again, um, again, what are the chances of that? It is like it is written in the stars. And was that as special as the other meetings with Kobe? Did he remember yeah. you again after all that time? What what that that one must have been surreal. There was. That was so surreal because then I could put his career in context with like what it means in the historic uh, um, scheme of things. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, back when you have him as a rookie or in his second year or third year, um, you know, okay, he's he's really a good player or he's an all star, but you you don't think that this is like a Hall of Famer, someone who would go down in basketball history as one of the best players to ever play. That's not something you have in mind with a player who is still playing. When I interviewed him in uh, 2017, which is, which is 20 years later, then mm. you have like some sense of like, and, and that was like, um, that was the last year, um, I think a year after he retired, so that was already, wow, um, I'm talking to a legend here and uh, I, because I've been following him in his career for 20 years. That was really something different to put it into context like that. And, and did he remember you when you, when you spoke yeah, to him? He did. What did you speak to him about? Yeah, he did. Um, well, he was there to promote his, his uh, movie, uh, Dear Basketball, which would be uh, nominated for, for an Oscar a couple of weeks later. But there was also already basketball uh, Oscar buzz around that movie because people said, okay, this thing is so good. He will probably get a nomination for an Oscar. And um, so I talked to him about that. And of course, we uh, talked about uh, Mamba mentality. That was a big topic we, we talked about because that came up uh, in, in recent years. 
that was not a thing back then when I first interviewed him. So mm -hmm. I asked him about that. So and well, and he said he he recognized me, but I I really don't think uh, he did because I gained quite a lot of weight, and uh, I I don't think he. Uh, he really recognized me because I mean it's been 20 years or 17 years after the this uh, last interview and he must have seen like thousands of journalists in the meantime and um, yeah I'd like to believe him though <laughs> yeah and obviously between that 18 years since you or 17 years whatever it was between um, 2000 and 2017 um, what, what what kind of happened there did you try and interview Kobe again at any point did it did your link kind of drop a little bit or was it just a case oh, yeah. that your paths didn't cross again because you were watching this legendary career unfold so you must have kind yeah. of had that kind of connection if you know what I mean yes yes I always I always followed him and I really hoped our paths would uh, cross again but the thing is uh, the first three times I interviewed him I was working for a different basketball publication in Germany mm -hmm. and Then I started my job at Kicks. So um, I really didn't think I would have access to him again because for the other basketball publication, it's like you ask for credentials for a certain whatever event and then you go and um, you have the interview organized. But with Kicks back then, we did not um, have the um, influence yet in the, in the market so that um, companies like Adidas or Nike would come up to us and ask us, hey, do you want to do an interview? And that was uh, before we had a um, basketball magazine. So I never really thought I would have the chance to interview any NBA player again. But um, as Kicks as a company developed and we had our own basketball division and our own basketball magazine, um, that eventually got better. And I got the chance to interview players again and um, a couple of years later after we uh, bought the magazine we uh, had the chance to interview Kobe and of course as the one who, who interviewed him three times before I was um, the number one guy in that slot to uh, ask him um, the questions and, and go to Paris and um, yeah, meet him again. Yeah and uh, the stories that you just shared then about them for um, you know, occasions where, where your paths crossed. That absolutely fascinating to hear you speak about that. And, um, you know, uh, earlier this year, obviously the unthinkable happened and Kobe, along with his daughter Gianna and seven other souls were unfortunately involved in that tragic accident and it hit us all hard. Um, but I can yeah. imagine that that was very difficult for yourself having met and forged a relationship with Kobe. Can, can you remember yes. where you were when you heard the news? Yeah, I was at home actually talking on the phone on the landline with a friend of mine and uh, a push notification showed up on my telephone, on my on my mobile. Mm -hmm. And uh, I looked at it and it said, uh, Kobe Bryant killed in helicopter accident, TMZ reports. And um, I was still talking to that friend on the, on the phone And at the same time, processing what I just read, and it didn't, it didn't really click at first. I was like, okay, because I just glanced at the at the uh, phone, and um, I didn't really realize 
understand what what I just read. And then after a couple of seconds, I I read it again, and it was like Kobe Bryant dies in the helicopter. It's not possible. At first, I really thought it was a mistake. Mm. It can't be, like because also TMZ, like the paparazzi network, and they probably had it wrong, and they're gonna. Uh, um, like send an apology a couple of minutes later, probably okay. It's it's a wrong message, and it's, it's it's that really never happened. But um, yeah, I I just practically told my friend, okay, I have something happened. I have to get off the phone, and um, then I went onto Twitter. I checked Twitter, and like, I mean, the whole Twitter world was 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 going crazy everything was about kobe and and um, yeah and then it got official and and it was really tragic i uh, the, the whole thing still is a blur to me what i did afterwards i think i was on twitter or the internet for hours un until until the morning and just read everything and what happened and and really trying to collect my own thoughts and um, the thing is, um, we were in the midst of doing a new issue of, of Five magazine, and we actually wanted to go into print the next day. We, the magazine was, was finished, and then we said, of course, we have to address this in this issue. So we had to pull the, the cover and pull the uh, big feature story in the magazine. And of course, I said, um, okay, I want to be the one who writes the the story about Kobe. I want to be the one who practically says goodbye. And um that was that was really hard because I actually had to write the article the next day after the accident. And um yeah, like when the whole world was still in mourning and I really didn't have my thoughts collected. I had to like research and 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 write that big piece. It was like a six-page, eight-page piece in the magazine. And uh, yeah, but but it, I think it also helped me to get over it a little bit um, because um, I was really alone with with my thoughts when it happened, and um, also very alone in my thoughts when I wrote the article because I basically just locked myself in 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 the office and closed the door and really put in like do not disturb sign on the door and mm -hmm. I just wrote the article and I think it, I just had a couple of hours um, because we had to go into print yeah so that happened the next day yeah and tragic yeah it was really really tragic yeah I think it's one of them things we were speaking off air about it and I think it's one of them things where you'll always remember where you were yeah. at that time um, yeah, what were you doing? Uh, what was your situation? So I, I was um, just in my apartment, uh, just on the outskirts of Paris. And uh, here, obviously, you're in the same, same time frame as me. Um, yeah. And it was, I, th I mean, you might be able to correct me here. I think it was about nine or 10 o'clock at night. It was yeah. relatively late. Um, yeah, it was shortly after nine. And it was on a Sunday as well. Yes. Um, and I was very much just getting ready for the week ahead. Um I was having like a little bit of a work session. I kind of 
come to life at night a little bit. So that's usually when I kind of get some articles in and kind of like plan for the week ahead and just, just do some work really. And um, just starting to maybe wrap up a little bit and look ahead to the week. And uh, I got the notification on my phone, the same as you from TMZ. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I think I had to read it like three or four times. Because every yeah. single time I was reading it, I was like, no, no, that, 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 that reads like Kobe Bryant's passing a helicopter c- crash. That, yeah. that isn't right. I've, come on, like, tune in a little bit. You, you're reading that incorrectly. Um, yeah. And then the first thing I did was um, went on Twitter and it was yep. just a TMZ report. And I was like, no, that, that, that doesn't happen. He, he, that can't happen to, to Kobe. Kobe doesn't die. Like, what, what are you talking about? And I, I was a bit like you, where I was kind of not really accepting it. I didn't realize what had happened. And I thought, right, okay, it must be a mistake. If it has happened, I will trust it when ESPN tweet it or like yeah. a, a main outlet tweet it. Um, yes. And my, my girlfriend's a Laker fan as well. And uh, a, a large bulk of our relationship has actually been on, on basketball as well. A lot of our first dates were we were in New York at the time and we went to basketball games and things like that. And um, we'd actually just the September before just been to LA and managed to get a lot of access. So the Lakers was very, you know, fresh in our mind and hearts at that time with it just being a few months afterwards. And I remember going into the other room and uh, she, uh, I kind of just froze a little bit, to be honest with you. I think it was a little bit of a blur. I don't really remember. And yes. uh, she just looked at me and she was like, are you, are you okay? And like the words just couldn't come out. So I was trying to say what yeah. what the notification said, but for whatever reason, I, I just froze and I couldn't say it. And um, when I said it, it was oh, kind wow. of a, a bit like uh, broken up and it hit me to be honest with you. Uh, I was a bit tearful at that, at that moment. And yeah. um, shortly afterwards, we started getting through Lakers UK the media requests for BBC News, for Sky, for Sky News uh, to be on TV the next day to speak wow. about it. Yeah. So I went to bed that night, kind of, it's obviously all you think about. I never met the man, but it kind of felt like a family member had passed, you know. Yes. And yes. Um, I was up very early the next day to be on uh, BBC News at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and... I literally did it but like unscripted and uh, looking back on it, there's probably a few other things I would have said, but um, yeah. it, it was difficult, but also I, I didn't want to do it. And I was, I said to my girlfriend, I was like, I can't do it. Like I don't really want to do it. And then I thought to myself, who has the opportunity on national media to, yeah, it's a know, huge platform. Yeah, exactly. And it brought us a lot of exposure as well, but which was, which I was happy about, but, it wasn't under the right circumstances, you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, and yeah, but yeah, and then we, we went to LA in February. So obviously, shortly after, it was already planned. We went for a game and things like that. So we saw all the murals and all the uh, tributes and everything like that. And it was surreal actually being in LA just a few weeks later. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of friends living in LA, and um, I can saw on the, I can see on the Instagram like. Um, all the murals and and um, gatherings and it was it was crazy to be in the in LA um, shortly after it happened. I mean, there were like buses who had like rested rest in peace Kobe written all over it and uh, street signs and 
man, there must have been something. There must have been terrible to be there. But at the same time, you feel <clears throat> like you're like you're uh, not alone because there's like literally thousands of people in with that grief, and mm. especially um, back at Staples Center where they had the uh, memorial thing. Mm. I think uh, that would have helped me to be among those fans um, to be there and, and show my grief and everything. I mean, one of the Lakers players uh, also was there, um, um, the the young guard, um, Cook. Yeah, um, Quinn Cook. He, yeah. He's, yeah, Quinn Cook, he, he was uh, standing in front of the uh, memorial and flowers and everything because he wanted, he just wanted to be um, with uh, the Lakers fans and that was I think that was really a great sign um, as to show what what kind of impact Kobe Bryant had on his career yeah definitely and uh, it's been fascinating to hear back <laughs> on them interviews and obviously for us to kind of you know pour our hearts out for the last few minutes then was um, yeah. you know I think it's to be honest with you, it's something I actually haven't done on the podcast. I was on a little bit of a break uh, when all of it happened. And I don't think I've actually properly had that conversation on this podcast. Um, and I think with you then was probably the perfect opportunity for it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you sharing them stories and sharing that just then about when it, where you were when it happened. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's yeah. It's one of those things, as you said. It's one of those things you'll never forget. I mean, as you said, um, it feels like a family member just has died. And um, I remember when I got back to the office the next day, um, you could feel it, like because we all work there, and but we're all basketball fans, and um, I might be the biggest Laker fan of them. But uh, there's a couple of Laker fans in that um, in that company at Kicks, mm-hmm. and when we got together again, it was like we all showed up for a funeral. Like yeah. we, of course, we like connected through text messages and everything the night before. But um, to see each other again um, the very next day. Uh, after that had happened, man, that was, I, I never experienced something like that before. I mean, people were wearing their Lakers t-shirts. One guy showed up in his 24 jersey mm-hmm. at work. We were talking about the office here. And like, um, I think all of them wore their uh, Kobe um, sneakers. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, it was really silent that day i remember that um usually i work in a i work in a big office like and there's like 20 people in one room basically mm-hmm. and it's it, it can get really noisy but that day and for a couple of days after that it was really quiet like people only talked in whispers and uh really didn't have that much to talk about it, it was like really like you said like someone died and you you can just it felt wrong to be cheerful that's what i wanted to say it's like really strange because of course we're not connected to him in any way and he's not a relative but it felt like like he was and uh, so everyone who was a basketball fan in our company um 
more uh, Kobe's and Giannis and uh, Giannis test, and uh, we we really felt heartbroken. Yeah, and obviously we're nearing the end of the uh, podcast now, and um, as we near the end of it, obviously um, it's been really um i really do appreciate you sharing all that but let's end it on a little bit of a uh, a high and have a little bit of fun and you've mentioned yeah, you've mentioned um i was going to say a few people that you've interviewed but quite a lot of people and there was probably people that you didn't mention as well in terms of nba players but one thing i do want to ask if i may is uh who was the so-called like worst was there kind of someone who wasn't yeah. as you expected or who was maybe a little bit rude or anything yeah yeah i can tell you um it was ray allen <laughs> um i had ray allen interview uh like after his second or third season with the bucks really yes. early in his career and um I, there was an interview i had in barcelona um, it was a Nike basketball camp, and the the best talents of of Europe were invited. Like um, those were like sixteen or seventeen year old kids, and um, all these kids were already uh, scouted by uh, major clubs. So there were like prospects from uh, Barcelona, there were prospects from Madrid and Moscow and everything. And Real was there to speak to them. Uh, QB Brown, the great NBA coach, was also there. So um, I had the chance to talk to Ray Allen, and he really didn't want to be there. <laughs> it, it appeared it was he was like bored, and uh, it was like it was like like he didn't see any sense of talking to young kids uh, at this basketball camp. He was not really motivated, um, but. I got to say, I mean, it was really, he was really young back then. And yeah. I can, uh, it's probably more uh, likely to be excited to give back to the community and the and, and basketball youth as you get older. He was really, uh, he was still trying to make a name of himself, for himself in the NBA. And you could see that he would rather be in the States than probably practice on his game or something um he was not keen about uh, being in europe back then yeah. was he just not really engaging or was he kind yeah of being exactly yeah he, yeah i asked him i asked him questions and um he, he really just gave like yes or no answers it was like <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a, a little bit rude and and also none emotional he was just like a robot like giving answers <laughs> and uh, not smiling or, or anything it was like dude if you don't want to be here why are you here so <laughs> i don't know that that was and i mean that was also early in my career i mean ray Allen was probably maybe the fifth maybe the fourth player i ever interviewed so i was really I was I was quite nervous when when I got to talk to him because um, um, I was flown in back then uh, from Nike uh, from Germany to to Barcelona and they had this task for me to interview this player and the interview was not good and I realized that from the very first answer he gave me mm. and uh, we didn't it really never clicked I don't know why so. 
I was really nervous that uh, Mackie was going to see this as a mistake, like as my mistake of having flown me in and not being able to conduct the proper interview. But um, I think um, I tried to make the best of it um, while editing it. And um, oh well, um, I was I was actually curious about if he changed at all. Um, if if I would have had the chance to interview Ray Allen maybe a couple of years later, later in my career, later in his career, if he would have been any different. Yeah. But uh, we'll never know. And that, of course, then he was the perfect villain when the Lakers played the, the Celtics. <laughs> because yeah. I actually did not like the guy. <laughs> and I could say, I talked to him before, and believe me, I didn't like him. So, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, and... Um... That's, I mean, that's everything I have for you, mate, really. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the podcast. Your stories really are fascinating to hear. Well, thank you for having me. And um, before you go, do you want to shout out your socials or anything? Do you want to let people know where they oh, can yeah. find you? Or have you got any work ongoing at the moment that you want to mention? Yeah, cool. Um, well, if you, if you like, you can uh, follow me on Instagram uh, at basketballlifer. That's three L's. And um, I'm not really a big Instagram guy, and you can see that by the number of my followers. <laughs> but uh, I, I try to keep you up to date, and if I have like an interview coming, you will learn about it on Instagram, and you can get in touch with, with me if you have any questions or anything. And um, right now, um, well, um, we at Kicks we are preparing for the season to come back. I mean. I'm the uh, designated guy to keep the team up to date, what's going on, and give them a uh, give them a heads up. And I just informed them on Friday that it's uh, really looking good, um, that it looks like the season is going to continue in Orlando, and um, that it's probably going to be 20 to 22 teams. And um, yeah, that we as a company, we as a magazine, should be getting ready for NBA season uh, 2020 part two. Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, Thanks well, for having I'll, me, Matt. I'll, I'll speak to you soon. It's been a pleasure. Just uh, let me know. I'll be there. Yes. And um, to the listeners, if you enjoyed the show, uh, be sure to tell some of your Laker friends about it. You can find The Late Late Show on all major podcast platforms. Please follow and leave a review where possible. Uh, be sure to follow Lakers UK over on Twitter and Instagram under LA Lakers UK. Check out our website at LakersUK.com and I'll catch you next time.